0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today on the show I have my friend Katie Noble. Katie is an amazing health coach that I met via a um, business coaching program that we were both in late last year. Katie and I dive right into her story with ulcerative colitis and how she's been able to heal her body using lifestyle, nutrition, and fitness changes. We talked about how small changes add up to big life results and how she works with women as a health coach and how she has become an advocate for her own health and life and how she wants to help you do the same. I know that you will all love Katie so, so much. So let's dive right in. And one more thing, as always, I always have to plug this. Make sure you subscribe to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Um, Every rate and review and like comment that you leave for us is so helpful in the growth of this podcast and we have some really amazing guests coming on in the next few months and i can't wait for you guys to hear from them so anyway without further ado let's jump into katie's episode hi everyone and welcome back to the chronically healing podcast thanks so much for listening today on the show i have a friend of mine katie noble welcome to the show Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Of course. I'm so excited to have you. Um, a little background, Katie and I met via a coaching program that we were doing actually a few months ago. And I knew like immediately that first night when we had our little group call, I was like, ooh, I have to get her on the podcast at some point. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I'm excited to to jump into this. Why don't you tell our listeners a bit about you and your background?
1: Well, I am a online health coach. So I work for a uh, healthy weight program, Noom. It's an app. And so I do that full time. And then I also have my own private health coaching practice that I do on the sides part time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really got into this passion because of my background with uh, my own healing journey from ulcerative colitis. And I also had my own weight loss journey. And so just all of that combined really formed into this passion to help other people live their healthiest lives.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about, for people that are listening that don't know what ulcerative colitis is, and then tell us a little bit about your story. Like, how did you find out you had it? What was that like for you?
1: Yeah. So ulcerative colitis is considered an irritable bowel disease. Mm -hmm. And so, basically, it's just an inflammation of your colon. Um, So, different irritable bowel diseases are categorized based on where they fall in the intestines. So, basically, ulcerative colitis is just, like, a certain part of your colon. Mm -hmm. And I had basically been diagnosed with that after six months of testing. Um, So... It really started, let's see, almost four years ago now. Um, I had been on a weight loss journey, just kind of changed my eating style, started exercising, lost probably 40 pounds and was feeling really, really good. Um, And then all of a sudden I started to get um, heart palpitations. I was getting really chronically fatigued, um, Mm -hmm. like just falling asleep anywhere, anytime. I was losing weight pretty rapidly because I was getting sick after everything that I was eating. Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately, it made me not even want to eat. So I just, I was losing weight at such a rapid pace. And so I actually went to the ER three times. And and, um, all three times the doctors told me I had a panic attack and it was just anxiety so i was given like some anti-anxiety medications anti-trembling like medications because i had like full body shakes wow. um and i have a passive anxiety my whole life i've kind of been dealing with it and for somebody who has had it their whole life you know the difference in like those symptoms and how yeah. you know feel and uh, finally the last er doctor he said he suggested i see a specialist a gastroenterologist um, specializes in the stomach mm-hmm. and i did and he um, did multiple tests and i was actually being treated for something called h pylori which mm-hmm. is basically a bacteria in your stomach and to my understanding everybody has it
2: mm-hmm. some
1: people are affected negatively by it some people Aren't affected at all by it. Um, and so I was tested for that bacteria and treated. And it's a very intense treatment of mm-hmm. about four, sorry, 12 pills a day. So three pills, four times a day. Wow. And I got to my second day, the end of my second day. And I remember feeling like I was going to pass out feeling like I was just like, something was not right, and I remember calling my mom, and I was home alone, telling her I was scared to be home alone because something's gonna happen to me. She's like, Call your doctor, tell him. Uh, so I did, and he scheduled an emergency colonoscopy mm-hmm. for the next day, and that's when he found out I had ulcerative colitis. Mm. And um, so the next step, he basically was like, We don't know where this comes from, we don't know how this happens. Um and put me on medication and basically was like, we'll I'll see you um, you know, for, for checkups every month. Wow. Yeah. And so that, that's how I got diagnosed.
0: What happened from there? I feel like, so he kind of, he kind of just like sent you on your way with like, here's the medication we can't, there's nothing we can really do about it. Um, but go along, have a great life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly pretty much how it went. And I, I really couldn't believe it. Um, and so he, I was really malnourished at the time. So on a medication, he had me come in for, um, like B12 shots, put me on some vitamins. And I was seeing him and getting blood work done about every two weeks and then every month. And um, again, he never really told me like how this happens, how you get this. And yeah. so I took it upon myself to do some research. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and one of the things that I saw was food sensitivity and food mm. allergies. Um, another thing was genetics, but nobody in my family that I knew of on either side had it so i went in search of an allergist mm-hmm. and went there saw her she did a bunch of tests um and discovered i had an allergy to dairy uh, gluten and a couple of other things food additives stuff like that and really suggested that i make some changes to my diet and see how it affects me mm-hmm. and so this is probably six months after I was diagnosed and started taking medication. And so I had started feeling better, Mm -hmm. uh, but I was still actually feeling really tired and would still occasionally get those heart palpitations um, and still feeling sick every often after eating things. So I decided to take out the gluten and take out the dairy and uh, do 30 days of an elimination diet with that. Mm -hmm. And then I slowly started to reintroduce those things and immediately noticed those same symptoms like minutes after eating. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much when I made the decision that okay, these these two food groups are probably best left out of my diet. Mm-hmm. And I started doing a lot more research on autoimmune wellness
2: mm-hmm.
1: and chronic disease, chronic illness, inflammatory. Um, diets and came across the autoimmune protocol mm-hmm. and started really heavily uh, kind of looking into that eating style. And I remember visiting my doctor and telling him all of this and telling him how I was feeling better and how I really wanted to see if I can keep this managed by changing my diet and lifestyle habits. And he basically told me he didn't believe in that. Mm -hmm. He didn't believe that it was um, connected. Mm -hmm. And he didn't advise his patients to make drastic diet changes. So, (laughs) yeah, I I was very surprised. Both surprised, annoyed, and offended. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, how can something that is in in the gut, in your intestines, not be affected by what you're eating and directly going to that place. It didn't really make sense to me. Um, So I would not recommend this to anyone, but (laughs) I chose myself to get off my medication to stop. Mm -hmm. And I've been managing it ever since. I regularly see a gastroenterologist every year just to get blood work and make sure everything is going good. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I've made those changes and feel the best that I've felt in a long time.
2: Yeah. So
1: that's why, I, that's another reason I'm so passionate about helping other people because food and lifestyle has such a big impact on our overall health. Mm-hmm. And well being and the fact that it's being overlooked by people in the medical field is a shame
0: yeah yeah it's it's crazy to me the it's like certain not all doctors but certain doctors very much are like no it is not it is not food and diet <laughs> and it's just like mm-hmm. it's so confusing. I actually saw a gastro um <laughs> I cannot say that word right now, gastro- a gastro doctor. So I went and saw a GI doctor and they like um, for my Hashimoto's, because I was having a lot of issues with my gut. So my um, endocrinologist at the time sent me to this person and I at the time did the same as you. Cause I, of course I couldn't get an appointment with a GI doctor in Chicago for like six months. So um, I did some research and I found that it was, good for people with Hashimoto's to go off of gluten. So I did it to help my Hashimoto's, but it actually ended up helping this like constant, consistent, extreme bloating that I had all the time. I'm um, like bloating to where I looked pregnant, like multiple times a week. And I remember when I went to the, the GI doctor and I was telling him about this, he like literally laughed at me and was like, nah, It's not the gluten. You can you can eat gluten again. Maybe don't eat as much dairy. And I was like, I don't eat dairy either. And the only thing I've changed is the gluten and I've noticed a complete difference. And he's like, Nah, it's not the gluten. (laughs) And I just remember being like okay. (laughs) It's
1: crazy to me. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to me that one, they don't see the correlation between diet and our bodies. We're literally eating to survive
2: mm-hmm.
1: it has a major impact on the way that your body functions down to a cellular level. So it's mm-hmm. just crazy to me that people in the medical field will see that correlation. And then on top of that, to not trust and want to investigate in your patient's health
2: mm-hmm. based
1: on how they feel. You know your body better than anybody else knows your body. Mm-hmm. So if something is off or feels not right, that doctor actually took an oath to help you figure out what the problem is.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And personally, I, I just feel like too often our medical system goes immediately to antibiotics, immediately to medicine. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trained to do. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's not a need for antibiotics or medicine, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it's really getting down to the root cause of what's, causing those
0: symptoms yeah yeah it's the the band-aid effect versus the like actually digging a little bit and part of it is the system I mean most doctors are given 15 minutes with a patient when I see my naturopath you know she's I have think my longest appointment with her has been like 90 minutes and my shortest has been like 45 minutes you know so it's never I'm never rushed um yeah. And it's totally different, you know, the questions she's asking aren't, like, she looks at my blood work, she looks at my levels and all that stuff and makes an informed decision about my medication because I still have to take medication. But like, um, but then it's more like, okay, how are you feeling? Did you try this? Have you been sleeping? Have you been stressed? Like all of these things that you don't even realize affect you, so much. I mean, sleep is huge. Food is huge. Like, and doing something like an elimination diet, I feel like is important for anyone that's having, um, I mean, not medical advice, but like, you know, anyone that's having any type of issue, maybe it's acne, maybe it is extreme mood swings, extreme cramps on your period, things like that. Because for me, The two biggest culprits in a lot of diets are gluten and dairy. Gluten for me affects my stomach, affects my gut um, pretty much immediately. It also affects my fatigue. But dairy actually affects my mood. So it's one of those things that like I didn't realize until I cut it out, and then I put it back in, and I noticed this like extreme spike of energy, and then like down, like to the point of like very very bad, bad moods mm-hmm. um, when I would have, and I didn't eat it that often. So I didn't notice it. But as soon as I had to cut it out and pay attention to it, it was like, oh, maybe I'm not just like a bitch. Maybe I'm maybe. just having a bad day. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: exactly. And that's a really important um, point to make is that sometimes you don't realize what's affecting you until you take it out.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's easy to feel like i remember feeling my bloat was normal Mm -hmm. it's like yeah i should feel like my stomach is about to explode after every meal or it's natural to just like have to go to the bathroom after every meal yeah like it it's not and so if anyone is listening again not medical advice but definitely do seek medical advice because you shouldn't feel bloated to the point where your stomach is hard as a rock or you're going to the bathroom all the time and you know, or you're having really intense mood swings like that, mm-hmm. and you're recognizing that. Um, so that's that's a really good point. Like I I didn't know I was that chronically fatigued actually, until I did the elimination diet. I thought for whatever reason I was just extra tired throughout the day because I really wasn't eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because it actually took a couple months for me to get like, to the point where I can actually stay, like, awake all the time and feel energized. I remember Mm -hmm. meeting my boyfriend, Cam, and I actually fell asleep on our first two dates. (laughs) And (laughs) one was um, at these racetracks, like, these really loud cars, Formula One cars. I don't know know what that is, but they're really, really loud, and I fell asleep right on his shoulder. (laughs) And then the other one was just, like, in a Cheesecake Factory. And I'm like, I can't believe I did that because now, like <laughs> here we are four years later. He's still with me I love him. And I can't imagine like that happening now. Like I can sit through a full meal, I can sit through a, like a day, even yeah. a day of work, and not feel that lag in energy. So
0: Yeah. That's funny funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it, it's funny to think about, you know, when you're past that, when you don't even realize like the fatigue, when I, um, yeah. I had my IUD taken out and I did like a liver detox diet of sorts, a liver enhance or whatever it was taking care of my liver. Um, I remember going outside and I was with Ben, my husband, and he, I was like looking at the sky and he was like, what is your problem right now? And I was like, is the sky always been that blue? Like to me, I was in this state of chronic fatigue or chronic just like brain fog, that I like colors were more vibrant when I came out of it, and like just all this stuff that I didn't even realize because you get so consistently used to this kind of stuff that you just assume mm-hmm. that that's the way that it is. And sometimes, like for me, I and for you, I was told by my doctor that that's kind of just what it is. You know, that's like like welcome to having a chronic illness. (laughs) Exactly. Just deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of dug into um, like the diet side of stuff, but what are some lifestyle or different healing modalities that you used or changed about your life that really helped, even if it wasn't necessarily just with ulcerative colitis, but like just with your, your life in general?
1: Yeah, so I think that's a really, really important part of it as well. Um, One area of my life that I can for sure tell you helped me was during that time I was getting diagnosed, I was with my ex, and didn't realize it, but it was a very toxic relationship. Mm. Um, And so when I was right at the beginning of healing, right after getting diagnosed is when I had decided to lose Break it off with him, and then shortly after, I met my, my current boyfriend, Cam, and one they're polar opposites. Um, but it wasn't until I got out of that relationship that I realized how much it was affecting me, mm.
2: and
1: how much it was affecting my self confidence, my self worth, my um. Independence, everything it was a very manipulative relationship and mm-hmm. so getting out of that I think is a big thing so it takes me to having healthy relationships basically yeah. one of the big things having constant support somebody lifting you up somebody who can who wants you to express your voice and your opinions and wants to hear them like suppressing mm-hmm. your emotions and suppressing your authentic feelings is so toxic
2: mm-hmm. to
1: yourself physically that energy is living inside of you and affecting every single part of you
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so that is a big one for me was really really flourishing out of that relationship yeah um, and then some other things I've been implementing in the last four years is we're always learning or always like gaining new knowledge. And so um, over the last four years, I've really implemented regular exercise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so at least seven days a week, I get 30, to, 30 minutes to an hour. Um, it doesn't have to be really intense exercise. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just going for a walk, sometimes it's yoga, sometimes it's just stretching, but I really try to move my body every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you mentioned sleep. Sleep is a really, really important factor. I, I know for me personally, I have to get seven hours. Mm -hmm. If I sleep any less than seven hours, I feel affected by it the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, And recently I've been actually trying to limit the amount of technology and blue light because I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of books about the effects mm-hmm. of that and how it actually suppresses your melatonin production, which helps mm-hmm. you fall asleep,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which helps you stay asleep, all of that. And so um, I'm trying to tweak it a little bit more because I notice I'm waking up in the middle of the night, but mm-hmm. sleep is a huge one. Getting a full night's sleep, getting seven hours, um, not being interrupted when your dog has to go to the bathroom at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yep, that too. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to, a journaling. Mm. Journaling has become, just in the last year, has mm-hmm. become something that is so important to my morning routine. Um, and so that brings me into having a morning routine. Mm-hmm. I never used to have any kind of time dedicated to myself. I was always, one, I was always on the go, always wanting to do things, never wanting to like sit still, um, and always wanting to do things for others. I'm
2: mm-hmm.
1: a recovering people pleaser, <laughs> and always had decisions in mind or actions in mind for other people. And so about a year ago when I started journaling and started taking this time to myself, um, it's, it's brought a lot of peace to my life. And it's brought a lot of direction and vision. And I think that's something that we lose in such a fast-paced society. <laughs> we're always on the go. And that's constantly stimulating our stress responses. And so the longer we're in a state of stress, like the worse off our body is. Mm -hmm. It prevents us from being able to heal. It suppresses the immune system. Um, And so having this time in the morning dedicated to myself, to what I do personally is I write 10 goals for the next like 10 years. Um, I write those same goals every single day until they happen. Daily affirmations. I set an intention for myself every day. Usually it's based off of the affirmations, So I Mm -hmm. use like a deck of cards. Um, I use that to set my intention for the day. And then I finish up with some gratitude and sometimes like a couple minute meditation, depending on how I'm feeling. And that really sets me up for my day. And then I usually do my workout. Mm. Um, And that just makes me feel set up, makes me feel taken care of, because I do have a job that requires me to give a lot of emotional support and a lot of myself. And if you don't take care of yourself first, then you cannot take care of others. So that's been a big, big part of my routine. And I'm very grateful to have established.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so huge as I'm the same recovering people pleaser. And also just like (laughs) I grew up um, always taking care of everybody else. It was almost like a responsibility as well. So I kind of as I work through it in therapy, like I sometimes don't even know how to support myself best. So it's like constant learning, Mm -hmm. um, activity and like kind of just finding out what I need day by day. And I'm also one of those, I'm like a very task oriented person. So I'm like my morning routine will include this, 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 and this. And I finally had to get to the point where I like wake up and I'm like, for me, because I am so task oriented and I am like, very, um, stubborn about those tasks. I have to almost make my morning routine be more fluid because Mm -hmm. otherwise I feel like my morning routine wasn't good enough or my, um, like self-care routine wasn't good enough because I didn't click everything off on my little list versus like waking up in the morning. I'm like, you know what, today, I don't think I'm in a journal, but I am going to meditate. I'm, I am going to work out. I am going to take a walk with my dog, something like that, because that's what feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just important to kind of figure that out for yourself, but like figuring out a way to fill up. It's such a like silly thing that's said all the time, but it's so true. Like filling up your own cup, you cannot give from something that is not full on your own end. <laughs> so... Yeah.
1: And that's a really good point too, is finding what works best for you. Like self-care is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And in order to know the best form of self-care, you have to increase your self-awareness and really get to know you, get to know who you are, get to know how you best work. Like if you're a task-oriented person, I'm not to-do lists, uh, <laughs> make me feel overwhelmed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's different for everybody and it's knowing how you best work and not trying to force something either that won't work for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so with fitness, you mentioned that you try to move your body every day. And I feel like even for me in the past, when I've heard people say that that can be a little scary with like a, chronic Mm -hmm. illness, chronic fatigue, um, or just someone that doesn't like to work out, you know, it can just be a little overwhelming, but you kind of mentioned it, but if you had someone coming to you that was, you know, they kind of were giving a little bit of pushback in that, or they had chronic fatigue where they didn't feel that they could do a true workout every day, what do you think is a good way to get started? You had mentioned like just taking a walk or things like that.
1: Yeah. Anything really that, feels good for you so again maybe it is just like going for a walk Mm um and maybe it's not even getting in those 30 minutes all at once maybe it's spreading it out throughout the day Mm -hmm. um so in the morning you go for like a little five minute walk maybe just down the end of the street and back or um you walk around your house you dance to your favorite song Mm -hmm. you do some housework there are some really creative ways that you can get your body moving other than like the traditional working out.
2: Mm-hmm. That I think
1: people think of, and it is, that's intimidating or you're like, I don't have the energy for that. Or I don't have, um, you know, like if your joints are sore, you don't have the physical strength to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's finding really meeting yourself where you're at and assessing what is best for you. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can't make it work every day so maybe you just set a goal of starting with twice a week three days a week and so that's something that I do with my clients too is just really try to meet them where they're at and set goals based on getting them to where they want to be
0: yeah so kind of going off of that how do you work with people when you're coaching them
1: yeah so like I said I really just try to assess where they're at Mm -hmm. so we'll really um start off working together by getting to know each other and seeing what their ultimate health goals are, where they want to be, where they are now, what they've tried in the past, Mm. maybe what worked, what didn't work. um, And then really create an action plan based on that. And I like to take a small change approach. Mm -hmm. um, So it can be very overwhelming to make all the changes all at once. i dieted for like pretty much my entire life and Mm -hmm. always on and off and very again overwhelming when people hear about all the changes that they think they have to make or that they hear that they have to make and the thing is you don't have to do it all at once to take it one step at a time Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and especially because I really try to build sustainable lifelong habits for my clients I don't want to just get them the fastest results it's about how can you best take care of yourself now and and in the future. Yeah. And so, yeah, we really just try to take a small change approach. And I try to fit habits that, or create habits that really fit into their lifestyle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So like you were saying in the morning, like that's not a really a routine for you. you, like to be more fluid. And so that's something that works for you. Or I work out in the morning, but maybe somebody else, they want to work out at night. And so it's just really about finding what's going to work best for what their lifestyle currently is is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then what's best for their body. So everybody is different. I really truly believe that what's best for me might be poison to somebody else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there really is no one right way for everybody. If there was, we probably would have figured it out by now. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> but that's why the diet industry is so huge and so profitable is because there's so many different ways and so it's really about working with my clients, again, what is going to be best for their body and their needs mm-hmm. and their goals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so important in so many different ways, but even two with like, I guess two reasons. One, people with chronic illness specifically, I feel like I'm. my husband um, is a coach and a personal trainer and he like... Even when I met him, and we kind of learned more about my, um, like my symptoms that I dealt with, or like some of the things that would kind of make me feel worse, having a coach or a uh, a doctor or a nutritionist or something that works with you who really listens to the some of the troubles that you have, because I think kind of going back to what we were talking about with like doctors in general, like every person is different. You know your body best and you're going to know if something makes you feel really good or makes you feel really bad. And the one good thing with working with a coach is that they have time for you <laughs> to learn that yeah. and to be able to like really kind of help you work through that stuff, but also push you when maybe you're just, maybe you're just being a little lazy and you don't actually want to try it. But also on the other end, for the most part every coach that I've worked with has always been very cognizant of like how I feel and not tried to put me in like a cookie cutter space.
1: Exactly. And that's really the key to success is finding something that is going to work best for you mm-hmm. in the long term and something that you can sustain on your own past the time you're working with a coach. And that's definitely another reason I'm passionate about my job is because a lot of doctors, they don't really have the time, even if they are listening to you and, you know, they want to help you. Sometimes they just tell you what you need to do and send you on your way. Mm -hmm. They don't give you any additional resources. And so as a health coach, it's kind of like a bridge between the doctor and the client. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, okay, I, I know what I need to do now. Who can I have to help me along the way? And that's definitely how I felt after being diagnosed. It was like, you get a sense of relief from being diagnosed, but then you're like, okay, <laughs> now what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it's it, it's scary. And a couple of years ago, my mom was diagnosed with celiac disease, mm. and so she kind of went through all of that. And and luckily, and thankfully, I was able to help her um, kind of slowly transition into into that new lifestyle because having to change your lifestyle once you get to the point where you're diagnosed with a chronic illness is so difficult right Mm -hmm. it it completely changes your world upside down and so I really try to look at health from a preventative approach so that people don't get to that point Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so that they can take care of themselves before it reaches that point
0: yeah yeah exactly so if someone wanted to work with you or just connect with you what would be the best way that they could do that so the best way would be to
1: go to my instagram page it is at katie noble with three underscores <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that would be the best way or they can send me an email at katie noble wellness at
0: gmail.com cool Perfect. Is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners of the podcast today? Just to be
1: your own advocate Mm. for your own health. I -hmm. think it's the most important thing. It's something that I think, again, as a society, we are kind of just conditioned to listen to what the doctor has to say and not question it. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to go into doctor's offices with prior knowledge to be seen as a person. Um, But I think it is absolutely important to do research on your own, to advocate for your own health. And if a doctor is not providing for you or supporting you in a way that is benefiting you, it is your right to go and create the wellness team that's going to best help you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, that's so true. Just advocating, standing up for yourself, knowing um, that's, it's funny that you said that because I, I feel like I've been called either by my parents or someone like the Google doctor. Like, have exactly. you been
2: Googling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm exactly. like, yeah,
0: I've been Googling. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you know what? If the doctor advises against it or whatever, okay. But just, it doesn't mean you can't do your own research.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And come to it. Uh, one thing too, that I love to do with my naturopath and she's totally open to it as I try, like, if I read something, I'm like, what is this like new diet? What is this thing? What is this supplement? And she is very open to like, in, unless it's something that she's like, no, that's not going to work for you. She's like, well, why don't we try it? If it's something that you were called to, that you remembered to bring up with me, maybe it's something interesting. Obviously she's not going to put me on something ridiculous, but, (laughs) um, but you know, like I've gone in there before and been like, Hey, like I read somewhere that like selenium isn't necessarily great. Can you explain that more to me with Hashimoto's? And she went into it. So I think that Um, just finding, like you said, the right wellness team with doctors, with coaches, with whomever therapists, like all that kind of stuff is really, really helpful.
1: Yeah. Because, and again, when it comes to your health, there's, there might not be just one type of doctor that you need, you know, maybe you do need a doctor. Like I try to work with my clients too, with whomever they're seeing. I have a client who sees a chiropractor, um, you know, an acupuncturist, naturopath, it's kind of finding, again, that team that's going to best support you and help you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on today. This is so much fun.
1: Yeah. I am very, very appreciative that you asked me to be on here. Thank you.